This is the fourth in our Lenten series on Jesus as Lord of the Sabbath, Lord of eternity today. The rabbis say that the Sabbath is synonymous with the world to come, with eternal life. It is a reminder of the world to come. So when we say Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath, we are saying he is the Lord of the world to come. He is the Lord of of eternity, the Lord of eternal life. What is eternal life? The Romans didn't have a notion of life after death. They thought one uh, attained eternity, eternal life, through history, through being remembered, by being written up, uh, through literature, through architecture, by having your name on a plaque, by having your name on a building. Um, That is uh, still a common way for people today to to get eternal life, to to donate and and put their name somewhere. I have found it, I I don't find it fully satisfying because in how many generations does it take to just forget somebody? Uh, How quickly are are books forgotten or are buildings torn down? Uh, How many of you have heard of Paul Flory? Paul Flory. Nobody here. If you uh, go on campus and go to McPherson Chemistry Building, any of you know where that is? In front of McPherson is a cube that's about nine inches. And Paul Flory's name is on it. The concrete cube is um, chipped and cracked, and I don't think anybody pays attention to it. It's pretty close to a trash container. Paul Flory is one of three Ohio State grads to win the Nobel Prize. Forgotten. Not much eternity if we seek it through legacy and through history. Some people think eternity is time going on and on and on and on, endlessly, forever. Now, if you're having a good time, that's good. If you're not, that's bad. We can talk about spending an eternity in line at the Bureau of Motor Vehicles, spending an eternity in the doctor's office waiting. My notion of eternity growing up was when I was four, five, six, going with my mother to the fabric department at Reich's downtown in Dayton. Oh my God. It was endless sitting there watching her look look at through fabric and bolts of fabric and saying, which one is good, which one is bad, you know, and then going through the the patterns, Buttrick, McCall's, Simplicity was deadly. I was just unhinged. I'd be lying on the floor, you know. Oh. Once I said to my mother, she's always sewing for my sister, why don't you ever sew anything for for me? And she said, 
Sewing for boys is boring. Okay. It must have been her idea of eternity also, sewing for boys. The rabbis say that eternity is time that is filled with spirit. So it's not empty, it's not, you know, it's not that endless boredom. It's time that is filled with spirit, that's filled with energy and joy and life and vitality. That's pretty good. I mean, you know, when I think of eternity, I want it to be a moment filled with joy and life and delight and energy. Jesus says eternal life is to know God. Period. Eternal life is to know God. Well, what he's talking about there is to have a relationship with God, to be with God. So eternal life has to do with time being full, with um, us being totally in the present. Eternal life has to do with those moments where it all adds up, it all makes sense, where we think, ah, this is what life is about. Eternal life are those moments that we've all had where we've been in a conversation, you know, and we say, where did the time go? We've been talking for three hours. Where we've been involved in a project, reading a book. Where did the time go? You know, it went so fast. I didn't realize. You know, that's being absorbed in the moment. And when we're, when we're absorbed in the moment, you know, our ego is pretty much out of it. And when our ego is out of it and we're focusing on something else, when we're immersed in something else, in a sense, time does stand still. We're not aware of time passing because we're not really aware of our agenda and our priorities. In, in our town, uh, you know, there's Emily's famous speech in Act 3 where she goes back to Grover Corner and um, she, she visits her family on her, I think it's her 12th birthday. And she can hardly stand it to see how wonderful life is and how they're missing it. And she just says, don't you see it? Don't you see it? Why are you so blind to what's going on right in front of you? And she turns to the stage manager and says, do human beings ever realize life when they're living it? Every, every moment. And the stage manager says, no, maybe the saints, maybe the poets. You know, it's that fullness of time that's eternity. Where time does stand still and it's very rich and we realize life at its fullest. That's eternity now.
and in the future. And we get just glimpses of it now that kind of tease us for what the world to come will be like. So what is paradise? Is paradise a place or a time? I've always thought of it as a place, you know, heaven. I'm thinking more and more of it as a time. It's that time of fulfillment that does last forever. It is that time of joy that lasts forever. Some people, when they talk about paradise, talk about it as the absence of suffering, of crying, of mourning. As Revelation says, you know, there will be no more crying or weeping or mourning. There will be no more death. There will be no more suffering. And that's how we might think of paradise as this absence of the negatives in our life. Time, uh, twilight Zone from years ago. There's an episode of a, of a young mother who has several kids and a somewhat demanding husband and a very busy schedule. And she's just worn out by all the hassles and running around. And she discovered one day when she had enough of it, she just turned at her kids and went, stop it! And time froze. And the kids froze. The one who was in the middle of hitting his sister just stopped. And the one who was in the middle of throwing a bowl of cereal just stopped. And the TV stopped and the radio stopped. And she had peace and quiet. And life was wonderful. And she read a book. And then when she wanted life to start again, she said, start. And it started. And she did this every day. And nobody else knew that she had this secret to stopping time. And she was really enjoying life. And there came a day where she was driving and she was caught in a traffic jam and everybody was blowing their horn. And she heard on the car radio that Russia had launched missiles at the United States. And the United States had retaliated. And the missiles would be coming to her town in 20 minutes. And she got out of her car and started running around to try to get home. And clearly she couldn't. And she looked up and she saw a missile in the sky. And she screamed, stop! And it stopped. And she thought, I've saved the world. But then she realized 
that she was alone in the world, that everything had frozen. Her husband was a statue, her kids were statues, everything was frozen. And she found that the absence of hassle and the absence of suffering and the absence of everything was not tolerable. For the life of me, I can't remember how that episode ends. <laughs> what I took away from that Twilight Zone was that the absence of things is not enough. For there to be paradise and for there to be a sense of eternity, we have to be surrounded by those we love. We have to be present to those we love and they have to be present to us. That connection is incredibly important. That paradise is the presence of those we love. That's the point of the song of Solomon and the reading that John did. Behold, my beloved comes. I see him at the gate. I see him at the window. I see him coming over the hills. I can smell the flowers. I can hear the turtle dove. It's the presence of the one who has loved and loves me that enables me to experience the paradise of, of sight and smell and sound. I've been reading Orange is the New Black and one chapter she talks about what is home to the prisoners. And she says what's home to her is being with her fiancé that wherever he is, whether it's New York or Montana, or at the prison. If he's present, she's home. I think that's what paradise is. It's that connection with loved ones. Now, the gospel story of the three men hanging on the cross doesn't begin with connection. It begins with the fabric of love being ripped to shreds. There can't be much more lonely and isolating and forsaken than hanging naked on a cross. That form of execution is meant to isolate one, to be the antithesis of paradise, to be the antithesis of eternity. And the crowd is mocking to put salt in the wounds. And the prisoners are mocking each other. And the religious officials 
are mocking and the soldiers are ridiculing. The whole scene is a scene of isolation and abandonment. And Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That is Jesus working to repair the fabric of love that's been torn apart. He's trying to stitch it back together. He's trying to create this sense of presence to overcome isolation and loneliness. And the one thief says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Remember. Remember. Reconnect. Reconnect. Repair the bond of love. And Jesus says, Today you will be with me in paradise. Today you will be with me. It's that with that we want that overcomes the isolation. It's that with that overcomes the separation. It's that with that reestablishes the bond of love. When we are with somebody, we feel supported and cared for and identified. When we are with somebody and we are present with them, we are experiencing a glimpse of eternity. To say we are with somebody is to be kind of in paradise. For that's what we're looking for, that bond of love that holds us together. Jesus could have had this conversation with the thief on the cross that day, 50 days later, 50 years later, for it would have been the same. Jesus, remember me. Reconnect me. And Jesus saying, today, you will be with me in paradise. That's true on the cross. That's true 50 days later. That's true 50 years. It's true for eternity. To be with Jesus is to be in paradise. For the presence of Jesus is heaven. And the absence of God is hell. Now Jesus, remember me, is a very simple prayer. We sang it enough that you should be singing it the rest of the day. When the thief says Jesus, that's the only time in the New Testament that Jesus is not addressed by a title. It's simply Jesus. Not Rabbi, not Son of David, not Messiah, not Lord, not Reverend, nothing but Jesus. It's that simple. And the prayer is very simple. Jesus, remember me. 
It's a prayer that we have prayed a lot with those words or similar words. We sit alone in the doctor's office, forsaken, lonely, cut off, having just heard that our cancer has come out of remission. And we say, Jesus, remember me. Reconnect, reestablish the bond of love. Overcome the loneliness. Our parent has just died and we're lonely and forsaken. Jesus, remember me. We've done something really stupid and are ashamed and we feel lonely and exposed. Jesus, remember me. Reconnect with the bond of love. How often should we pray this prayer? When we get up? Sure. When we go to bed? Sure. We could probably pray this prayer every hour. We could probably pray it every 15 minutes. Jesus, remember me. Reestablish, repair the bond of love. Be with me that I can experience the fullness of time, of joy, of peace, of love, of compassion, of forgiveness. And Jesus' answer is the same today and tomorrow and at the grave and at the cemetery. Today, you will be with me in paradise. May it be so. Amen.